Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. with another episode of Louisiana Ladies. We actually just interviewed our guest and I am super excited. What do you think, Maggie? I think it's perfect timing. I think everybody needs to hear this episode and I don't know. I just, I'm not going to give anything away, but just think the things she highlighted were very, I mean, they're very important right now. Yeah. Very relevant. And they're always important, but just with what the world's going through, you know. Um, the Just the heaviness. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I think that um, I say this in the episode and I'll say it in the intro uh, that I think everybody's going to be able to relate to this particular episode 100%. in some shape or fashion. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, Maggie and I met last week. We did some podcast brainstorming. And we wanted to be a little bit more intentional. Right, Maggie? Yes. (laughs) So we now have the same thing we've always had, but our smorgasbord segment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I looked up, Lainey's surprised, and I looked up smorgasbord, and it basically just means a random assortment of whatever. So our smorgasbord segment is basically the updates and the random stuff that I talk about, right? But super exciting. We have our first ever email from a listener that we don't know. We're not going to say his name, though. Okay. Okay. So Maggie's going to read this email, y'all. I swear. I was so excited. Appreciate everybody that sent an email to the Louisiana Ladies Gmail, but I have known you to this particular extent. Patrick was our first email, so thanks, babe, for that support. But I wanted to read this email because it's only taken a year. And see, we were very friendly and we responded. I responded timely. I caught this one. I feel like this is like fan mail. I mean, it sort of is. Let's go, Maggie. Read it. It just makes me so happy. I'm a video maker here in Baton Rouge, and I started listening to your podcast ever since you had Chuck Hussmeyer on your show. He's one of our Screenwriters Down South members, a meetup here in Baton Rouge that I helped to organize. Since then, I've heard a couple more episodes, including the one you did with Jim or Dallas, and the couple behind Red Stick Reads, both of which got me a little more curious about their businesses. In the midst of listening to the one you did with Agent Amy, I'm also a Disney enthusiast, and so it is neat to hear about some options they have going on, although I probably won't consider going back or doing a cruise until they relax their mask protocols. Wanted to say hello and to thank you for covering some notable people and organizations here in town. As it happens, I also went on a trip this summer to the Jackson Hole area. Small world, right? I mean, he's listening. Yeah. You know he's listening. Yes. So thank you, listener, <laughs> for sending us an email. That's, I mean, that's really all I've wanted in this past the year. Web's, the web's getting weaved together. He yeah. notes Chuck, and he's and now he's a listener. Yes. So, you know, we could just go ahead and get our Instagram followers to a 1,000. That would be great. Still a goal of mine. Okay. Product rec. Product recommendation. I said that really fast. Yeah. So, Tula. Maggie, you use Tula, right? I do. Okay. So, I kind of like go back and forth with some of the Tula products. Some people swear by them. But I did order, um, well, I was influenced to buy some of their lip glosses. And I will say that they are fabulous. Like, feel so good going on your lips. They've got a little bit of a tint to them. So, on Sunday, whenever I went to Whole Foods and I didn't really want to put on makeup... You just kind of like swipe that on and you kind of feel like a little bit more put together. So Mm -hmm. that's, and they come in, I think you can get the trio 
And I think it's um, it's like a dark berry, maybe a sh- like a light pink, and maybe more of a clear. I don't know. You have to. We'll link that here and clearly tag them on social media. But when I was buying the lip glosses, I wanted free shipping. Duh. So I think I bought um, this mask, but it's like a stick, and it's a clay mask, and you just put it all over your face, and it feels. I mean, I mean, you leave it there. You're looking at me kind of funny. Right? That's how, it's, it's a stick. So that sounds pretty easy. It is. That's why I liked it. It's a stick. Because a lot of the masks, you know, you got to, I don't know. So I don't like a sheet mask because I feel like it never goes on my face right. And No, I feel like I have to really dedicate time for the sheet mask. That sounds easy. Yes. Oh, it is very easy. And you can, according to the directions, you can put it on wet skin or dry skin. I like to put it on dry skin. Um... But it's also something I could see myself. I normally do my mask in my in the tub, but I could see me doing it like dur- like once during the week because it really is easy. It's just a little stick that you just swipe on, and then you can go do whatever for eight to ten minutes. So it's not like you have to leave it on for thirty minutes. Yeah. So um, that is my product recommendation. Do you have any products that you're in love with, Maggie? I just feel like my love for Living Proof is growing. Mm. Um, their shampoo, I used it. It's been a while since I'd used because you know I have all these different products and yeah. I and I you know cycle through them but I use their perfect I think it's perfect, the perfect hair, hair day. day yeah I used to use that it gets my hair so clean it's so soft like I don't know a lot of times when they make shampoos make my hair feel clean they make them feel dry but it's not like that it makes it soft and honestly if you're trying to go longer between washes I would say invest in that shampoo and conditioner because your hair just like doesn't get dirty and gunky. As fast. That's the shampoo and conditioner that I use to get to one week, one one wash a week. And I, I mean, Lainey, you graduated. Yeah. What were you washing your hair? How how many times a week were you washing your hair before? Twice. Okay. So like, I have pretty thick hair, so I've never had to wash it every day. But I have thick hair. Too. Yeah, it does make a difference. Um, I think I'm at once a week now. I haven't tried their new uh, shampoo, uh, dry shampoo, but I'm sure it's amazing. I'm just trying right now. I'm still trying to work to get through. Products, the products yeah. that I have instead of buying more, you know. I know I love to buy products. I just it's waste. I like I'm trying not to waste, and I want to use it up and you know save some money too. Yeah, I know, but God, it just makes me. Happy. I know. I I'm not saying it's not hard. I miss buying things, but it'll be worth it when I when I get there. Yes, and then you don't feel as guilty. Mm-hmm. Which maybe we should let go of that guilt. We probably should, but I get really excited when I throw away an empty can. Of I something. do too. I do too. I also see, and I also know when I really like a product when I rebuy the product after it's empty. That's another thing. I never do that, and it's like that's silly. But it's because I have all these other, pro- you know. Yeah. Mm. Living proof is going to be the difference, though. I'm, pre- I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm. I'm, I'm going to be loyal. I'm to still them. going with my shampoo, the Manu. Like I that's... went to repurchase the Living Proof, but they were sold out. Because they're awesome. It's because of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, they're like chemists. I'm like, that's really cool because yeah. I'm like a chemistry. Nerd. They do put uh, a lot of you know time and effort into that. So um, that's that's kind of what I have right now on our smorgasbord segment. We good, Maggie? Yeah. Anything else? Okay. So word of the episode. Word of the episode. Word up. Fret. Word of the episode is fret, which I think is very appropriate for what we talk about with our lovely guests. Don't fret. And I think everybody knows what fret means, but just in case you don't, it means to become worried or concerned. In a sentence, it is used as the director fretted over every detail of the show's opening night performance. In real life, it is that Melissa frets over everything. Don't fret. Don't fret. <laughs> don't fret. So, that is our word of the episode. I feel like I don't use that word enough. It's a simple word, and, like, don't fret. I'm going to start, start using it. Okay, guys, we're sitting here with our lovely guest and, of course, our lovely co-host, Maggie Robinson, who's going to really talk today. Right, Maggie? Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) She's here. We are, uh, just for our listeners to be aware, we are recording on a Monday, which typically Maggie and I are kind of dragging on Mondays. But thank you so much for our guests for being here. So, Maggie, take it away with the intro. Yes, so we have Samantha Rauber here with us. She's a certified perinatal mental health professional. 
Did I get that right, Samantha? You got it correct. Yes. Thank and, you. And can I call you Sam? You can call me Sam. Okay. So, Sam, um, doing some digging on you, you're involved in a lot of things, helping a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Can you just, like, take us back to how you got into this? And, like, I can tell you're passionate about it, so I'm, I'm interested to hear about it. Yeah, sure. We're, we are going to dive right in, aren't we? Yes, let's dive <laughs> we right in. We are going to dive right in. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, let's see. Okay, well, undergrad, my major was psychology. I've always been fascinated in, in human behavior and culture. And at some point, I majored in anthropology, and, and they kind of go hand in hand. Well, after college, um, I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So um, I got married, had a child, and then given a few years of life experience um, and always that itch to learn more about psychology, um, I, I went back to school. And that's when I went to um, LSU and I majored, or not majored, but um, graduate school for clinical mental health. Um, and at the time, I didn't know like what track I was going to go into. Um, it's a pretty general, generalized field when you go into clinical mental health or community counseling, as it's referred to. So um, when you're in school, you're getting all kinds of exposures to different types of mental health populations, diagnoses, and different levels of care. Um, when I graduated, I got a job with a medication management office and basically went right into opening some practice, private practice um, within our community um, while I was under supervision and, and to become a licensed professional counselor, it's quite a journey. It takes 3,000 hours as well as 1,900 hours of direct contact to contact therapy all while during supervision to actually get a state license so that you can open your own practice one day. Okay, so, so is that like two years It took me like, about four okay, so because I, was I say, had another you, baby during that time. <laughs> but I'm just like doing the math. If yes. you dedicated two straight years, it would that would be the least so amount of minimal, time I would think. You yeah. have to have it done minimally within two years okay. and the max is seven. Okay. So you can really kind of take your time with it Okay, um, because there's such a learning curve when you're actually out there doing the work. Okay. Um, and at that time, I was I was doing my supervised hours at a medication management office, but then I also got involved with the GRACE program at Women's Hospital, which is um, a substance abuse, um, kind of like a, a social worker slash doctor um, team that allocates resources in the community for women who are suffering with addiction, who are also pregnant. I also did some consultation work at um, the Journey Home, which is a residential a residential facility up in Denham Springs um, where women live and rehabilitate themselves with substance use issues. And then in my private practice at the time, I just started to get a very good following or clientele caseload of, of women going through pregnancy and postpartum. So I really found an interest in that, having gone through it myself, but then also recognizing what a great need in our community there is for those services. So while I was under supervision, I did what's called the perinatal mental health certification process. Um, That's put on by an international organization called Postpartum Support International. Um, It's hours of education, um, it's advanced trainings, and it's an exam at the end of all of it to technically call yourself a specialist in that field. Um, And so I did that while obtaining my license, opened my practice about two and a half years ago. And then while I did that, I did an even further advanced training with the Postpartum Stress Center, which is um, on the East Coast, and it's been like the premier postpartum um, resource for women in our country for the last 30 years. So I got to go train with Karen Kleiman, who writes all the books and does all the research, and I got to do her training over the last weekend before the pandemic started. So I got to bring all of that good knowledge back to Baton Rouge um, and, and carry on with my practice at that time. So everything when it comes to pregnancy, postpartum, family planning, infertility, miscarriage, stillbirth, um, birth trauma, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and, and basically any topic in the reproductive years of life is what I specialize in. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, isn't, it's amazing. Like, 
you just kept learning and learning and learning. I still am. I still am. It's so fascinating and, and there's such a need in our community for it. So I'm, I'm happy to keep learning, you know, and hopefully kind of spreading that knowledge to other clinicians in our, in our community. So if you don't mind, um, can you give a general definition of what postpartum, you know, and I'm kind of thinking of, I think it's postpartum, maybe depression or anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, what does that entail? And, and just let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. I, yes. um, you know, I am the coolest aunt ever. I've not been through any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that part of the struggle, and this is just an outsider looking in, part of the struggle for women is that you probably feel like, so correct me if I'm wrong, since mm-hmm. you've been pregnant, I feel like you, you find out you're pregnant and you're supposed to just be like completely elated for nine months and glowing, you know, and then you have the baby and you're supposed to be, you know, like mm-hmm. not that society tells us that, but it's not, nobody's really posting pictures on Facebook about their postpartum depression, I guess is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And so I, I, do you feel like a lot of women don't even realize that they should ask for help or that there's, it's even available? That's, that's a lot of questions. That's in such one, a so. good question. <laughs> and I think the key word that I heard over and over what you said, Melissa, was supposed to. Yeah. There is this um, expectation put on women by society, but then also interpersonally in our relationships that this is supposed to be the happiest time of our lives when in fact it's actually sometimes the most scariest, mm-hmm. like the scariest mm-hmm. and, and the most depleting. Um, anything postpartum, which I think is that general term, is an old term for what we now call perinatal, okay. which is during pregnancy and postpartum. Perinatal is around that time, and how we diagnose anything perinatal um, goes up to a year postpartum, when generally people think postpartum is just those first few weeks after a woman gives birth, but it actually um, can be diagnosed at any time during pregnancy or postpartum a year after postpartum, or if left undiagnosed even after that. So you're exactly right that so many women don't know they're suffering because mm-hmm. when you're experiencing a symptom of anything perinatal, which now extends beyond depression, but anxiety, OCD, bipolar, psychosis, um, any of these disorders feel like they are who you are. So if, if a woman is experiencing a great deal of self-doubt and feeling like a bad mom or a failure, That is not who she is. That is a symptom of one of these disorders that she's struggling with, but she doesn't know that she's struggling with it. So oftentimes it does go untalked about. Women don't reach out. And when they do, unfortunately, get dismissed or normalized that, oh, you just had a baby, when in actuality it's a significant issue and really needs that intervention um, in order to promote the health of, of her own family because... There truly is no family health without maternal mental health for so many reasons. It's a very vulnerable time in a woman's life where biologically, psychologically, and socially, um, all of these factors kind of can create a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And so it's very rarely that that experience is the best time of your life. Um, When a woman is pregnant, for example, her brain goes through such biological changes that don't happen at any other time during her life. Evolutionarily, the brain is preparing itself to be fully dependent on by a baby. So they are literally brain cells dying off during pregnancy. Oh, is that why they say pregnancy brain? Totally. (laughs) There's a biological reason for it. And so women are already feeling like they're not who they are because of the biological factors, but also because of what they have to give up in the process. And they're losing a little bit of identity along the way psychologically. So biologically and psychologically and physically, you give birth it's trauma to the body, which we don't recognize as trauma to the body, and all of it kind of creates a perfect storm to develop symptoms of anxiety, depression, um, inability to sleep, lots of worries. Intrusive thoughts are really common and not always talked about in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which are um, types of thoughts that women experience that cause a lot of distress. Um, and, And when they come to therapy, We talk about that. These are the thoughts that women don't want to talk about because they're in fear that they might be taken away from their child, which is 
unfortunately, a very misdiagnosed experience for a lot of women, only adding to the trauma of what could have been treated in an outpatient counseling office or with a psychiatrist. So there's there's a lot of stigma still surrounding this time that's supposed to be the best time of a woman's life. And um, I'm, I'm so happy to be a person in these women's lives who tell them, like, no, like, you are allowed to experience this the way that you are and not the way that you feel like you're supposed to. I feel like I could ask so many questions. I'm trying to trying to determine which way I want to go. I do think that just in general, right, so, like, even if we just step away from the pregnancy and the perinatal, women in general kind of, again, what you said, supposed to, right? So I am a woman. I am supposed to have a baby, you know, that's just what society tells us that we're supposed to do. And we never wanted children, you know, and it took, I've I've talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts that it took a long time for me to be okay and not really defensive. And it's also like people just feel like they can give me all their opinions about what my life would be like. But I do find that sometimes just talking to someone in general, no matter if you're going through work anxiety, any stress and them saying, because you feel like a crazy person, honestly, mm-hmm. this is how I would, I could imagine it. And some of those intrusive thoughts, I mm-hmm. would think that those are very scary for somebody mm-hmm. to talk about in terms of maybe what they're thinking or feeling towards their newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And I, having you for the, to say, look, this is a symptom. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like you're, cause not only are you having these, I would say like kind of just all over the place thoughts and all kinds of stress and, mm-hmm. and overwhelm. But then you're also probably diagnosing yourself or thinking that you're a terrible person. Totally. I'm going to go back to social media really quick. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at social media. Mm-hmm. I still think that social media can cause depression. Definitely. <laughs> and we know that. The research shows it. Yeah. You're, you're now compare. you're doing that comparative thing mm-hmm. and it's just a whirlwind. So, let me back up. So how you said about a diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. So in order for somebody to come and see you, mm-hmm. do they need to be diagnosed or do they, it's kind of like what we do. And at what point do they come and see you? Is there a, a better point in pregnancy or is it just kind of depending on where they are in their life and their journey? I think if anyone is ever questioning whether or not they could use some counseling, that's the answer. Yeah. I, well, Pregnant or not, I think everybody. Pregnant or not, and and especially when you're making those decisions to not have children, mm-hmm. I mean that is one of the decisions out there that isn't always talked about that very much needs to be right. And so when you're flooded with opinions of other people that don't necessarily coincide with where you're at in your life, having that support in the form of a counselor and just like a container of space for yourself to be okay with your own decisions is is totally beneficial. But you're exactly right about social media. For every one decision that you make and you're okay with, there's going to be 10 other decisions that don't look like yours that subconsciously we tell ourselves, oh, maybe it's not okay that I'm making that decision. And so really when, when you're seeking help and you're creating that space for yourself to be okay with what you decide, that's the biggest form of self-love or self-compassion that somebody could take. And that's really kind of like where I go with the women that I work with, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, acceptance are truly kind of like the 411 of staying healthy mentally. And so often we don't say the things out loud that we're thinking subconsciously about putting ourselves down, especially if we're taking these images from social media and subconsciously comparing ourselves. So counseling is really that place to kind of like reframe and correct that self-dialogue that is your subconscious that we tend to kind of keep away from everybody else. Yeah. Sometimes it's just scary to talk about too. Which you got, well, Maggie? And there's just like, it's a, a guilt associated and there's stigmas and things like that. So it takes a lot of courage, I think, to Absolutely. take that step and reach out to someone like you. It takes a whole lot of courage. It takes a whole lot of courage to do that. Once you take that step, and I will always tell everybody that first step is the hardest one to take. Mm-hmm. Once you take that step and you come to the other side of it, it should not feel as scary as it does before you ever make that decision. It is your counselor's job to create safety in that space. Mm-hmm. 
for you to disclose what you need to disclose. And if you don't feel that way with your counselor, then it's very possible that it's not the right fit for you. So it is your counselor's job to create a safe space of non-judgment and compassion to come in and be able to say what you have to say and be totally accepted. So, you know, we're so afraid of being judged and you're right that there is this guilt for needing help. Mm -hmm. What we know, and especially at this time in history, is that this is the highest rate of psychotropic medications being prescribed. This is the highest rate of people seeking therapy. We were already in a mental health crisis in Baton Rouge. It has quadrupled since the pandemic hit. So, so many of us therapists are booked week by week by week and trying to kind of figure out how to manage the crisis that already was pre-existing, but especially now. And there are plenty of providers out there that are available to see new clients. It's just a matter of making that decision in your own mind of, okay, when is it time for me? And if you're questioning that, like I said earlier, it's probably already that time. Goes back to self care. I mean, it is a form of self care and self love, you know. Yes, and again, is. we talked about. Um, so last week we were talking with um, Trisha and uh, you know her journey with her mom's mm-hmm. battle with breast cancer. And I brought up that I'm getting my mammogram this year, mm-hmm. and that's like I feel like it's a whole day. Like I'm mm-hmm. like they need to feed me or something, mm-hmm. you know, because you get your annual and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Maggie said you have to make time for yourself, and that's where that guilt comes into play, right? Because a lot of these things you got to do during the work day. Yes. Um, maybe sometimes even if your kids are in an aftercare yes. program or something like that. And I still struggle mm-hmm. with it is okay for mm-hmm. me to go and do this. And, and that, that goes back to, in my opinion, the society. And I'm, I'm just going to say, I think it's in America. I'm not sure about other places where we basically – the, the longer hours you work, those are glorified. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's see who can work the most and let's see who can burn themselves out. And depending on, depending on your profession, but I just think it's society as a whole. I think mm-hmm. everybody's working more hours, putting in more hours, feeling guilty about self-care because if they're doing self-care, well, now I'm not working and who am I letting down? It's like this vicious, it everybody just heard me is. like word vomit that, but that, that goes through my head too, yes, you know? It um, absolutely is. It is hard to self care. Yeah. It is so hard. The guilt is brought up a lot with women. So us women, we feel guilty all the time. Damned if we do and damned if we don't. There's no way of getting around the guilt. So at some point we have to manage this guilt and recognize that it's usually coming from a distorted thought process that we probably were all raised to think that we should be giving and selfless to do all of the other things that come along with being a woman. But it's too much guilt. It's too much guilt. So oftentimes in my practice, I'm working with women on identifying when the guilt walks through the door and kicking it to the curb Mm -hmm. and still deciding to do what you wanted to do all along, knowing that something's got to give, but that's also a part of life and that's also a part of your community. And to take that step to self-care, knowing that I might bring myself a healthier version back to my family or back to my work environment because I took that hour to do that thing, the world's going to survive without us. Yes. And and sometimes that guilt has a funny way of making us feel way more special than we need to feel. So it's not about leaning into the guilt and believing the guilt as much as it is recognizing that it's there and still deciding to do something out of that emotion, but not let that emotion control your action. And so self-care is the absolute best way to love yourself. But self-care in this case, especially since the pandemic started, the things that you want to do haven't been as available. So self-care in its most fundamental is your self-dialogue with yourself. If you can't do that thing that makes you feel good, what else can you do? Well, what you're in control of is how you treat yourself how you validate yourself when you can't get to that exercise class because the stars didn't align that day, how you talk to yourself on the inside. I know you really wanted to get to that workout class. You're going to make it happen another day. Yeah. 
I was actually going to ask that self talk mm-hmm. and self dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I, um, this was, I'm going to, I'm going to timeline it back to, it was around, sorry, Maggie, but I'm just, it was around after Maggie had started working here. Mm-hmm. This is not why I went to go see a therapist. I just remember, <laughs> you know, I think I had a brand new team and I was getting yes. everybody. I think I'd just become a partner and I was trying to yes. figure that out and juggle everything. And one of the things that I told her, and she really helped a lot. It's amazing to me when you, like, I was that person, right? I'm yeah. like, Psh, I do not need to go For see sure. a counselor, you know? For sure. And to this day, I mean, like one of the things, the very first thing that she told me, and I will just go ahead and I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before. So I go in there and I ramble off about how, you know, like I am type A, I don't need (laughs) therapy. I'm fine. I'm just here because somebody told me to come. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, it sounds like you need some boundaries. And so we worked on the boundaries and we worked on self-care and we worked, I'm a a control person, right? And that drives me nuts when I can't control things. And so I talk to myself, I feel like all day long. So um, on top of that, don't you feel like women and, and maybe, maybe it's women and men. Do we, do we just inherently feel the need to justify things all the time? Because I do it like nobody asks me, I just start to justify it. Yes. It's a defense mechanism. When we start to defend ourselves from a decision we make, even if it's for ourselves, like there's this little judgment sitting on our shoulder, like saying you're right or you're wrong for doing whatever. And so there is this inherent judgment and men and women alike, but especially women in this case, especially if your decision goes against what women quote unquote should do or shouldn't do. Um, but yeah, I think men do too, definitely, but they are much better at suppressing it and then suffering even worse sometimes because they're shutting on themselves to be perfect or hold back their emotions when their emotions are there. They just work very differently, but you're exactly right. That justification of having to state what you're about to do needing an explanation because something subconsciously is telling us that I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Goes back down to the guilt. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm, I don't know if a circle is the right way to put it. So I'll give you an example. And I mean, Maggie and I have talked about this before. I feel like I have to justify every vacation that I take, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm going to give you an example. So I'm leaving this, this, when this podcast drops, I will actually be at a conference for the first time in two years. Mm-hmm. If, I make it there with flights. Mm-hmm. I feel like flights have been a disaster. Right. But the conference, I have to leave on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So that's work travel. It's travel, but I'm traveling for work. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, then here I am I'm about to justify all this. So you just, you just go ahead. Mm-hmm. You can, you analyze this. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, Saturday, I got to get up at eight. My husband has to drop me off. Like I get there at four. I'm going to be meeting up with a bunch of people, which is fun, but it's still work. Mm-hmm. Sunday. Starts at 8.30 in the morning and it ends at 6. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Monday, Tuesday, half Wednesday. I fly back Wednesday night. And I'm taking the day kind of off on Thursday. And in my brain, I feel like I need to let everyone know mm-hmm. why I'm taking that day off. Now, part of it is because I'm like, my flight might actually not get back, you know. But the other part is, that's an exhaust. That even everybody says I'm kind of like a robot and I have a lot of energy. That's exhausting for me, you know. But internally, I've been doing this for a week when I decided to take that off. It was a decision I made. I know that I needed it, but I'm worried about being judged. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about letting people down, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, I don't know. Do you, I just have to tell myself it's going to be okay? Yes, you absolutely <laughs> do. Because the fact is you're not a robot. Oh, see, Patrick? My you're husband says that a I'm a robot. <laughs> And you probably operate like a robot most days, but you're not a robot, you're a human, and you can't pour from an empty cup, and there's a whole lot of anxiety and fear and emotion that goes into traveling these days for multiple reasons, Mm -hmm. and the obvious ones at that. We don't know if our flights are even going to work out the way that they're supposed to, so planning is like off the table in terms of what the shift in the pandemic and global crisis that we're living through for women who are type a and who certainly operate like robots and machines that's been the biggest struggle during the pandemic so far for them because we have to be flexible Mm -hmm. and and we can't plan 
to plan and hope that it works. We are constantly having to readjust and that takes a lot of flexibility. And for women whose brains are more type A, that's a skill to build. It doesn't mean that it can't happen, but it happens by doing exactly the things that you're shooting yourself not to do. And so you have to take a day. You absolutely have to take a day because you're going to bring back a better version of yourself anyway. I've come back to the office after that conference and it is not a happy sight to yes. see. So it's do, do not... everyone else a favor and take that day off. Nobody really wants me here. <laughs> Maggie can attest to that. So, you know? This is probably not the best way to handle it, but I tell her sometimes, we don't need you here. Yeah, she told me all the time. Oh, I think... And, and actually, I need sometimes it... Sometimes it needs to be No, fed. I needed to hear that. Like, yes. I was... Not a lot... Not a lot of... So Maggie's an employee. Yes. And not a lot of employees feel, I don't know if comfortable is the best way to put it, but I'm like, bosses need feedback too. Like, you know, you're an employee and we give you, like, give me feedback. I am by no means perfect, you know? Well, I think oftentimes when you are a partner, when you are at the peak of your career, you are the manager of of your office, you you sometimes have to put out that perfectionistic tendency and, and it hurts, right, to get feedback. It's like, ouch, right? And it ignites all that guilt and all those shoulds. But it depends on how accepting of feedback people in power are. So I would imagine that being type A and being a little perfectionism as a boss comes off a little bit like I can't accept feedback, right? right? And so you're very open and honest to say, I do need feedback. And, And it's hard to approach that style of personality until that style of personality has taken that step to become a little bit more open and accepting of the feedback. Vulnerability too. Vulnerability. Like Brene Brown did it's a, I think it was Brene Brown did a vulnerability, right? No, I remember when Maggie looked at me and said that. I remember that exact moment. That was very brave of you, Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And I think after she was like, oh, I didn't mean to be mean or something. I was like, no, I needed to hear that. Because right. not only one of my biggest things, I love how this has turned into like free therapy session for me, but disclaimer, this is not therapy. This is not therapy. (laughs) This is just me. And I've said this before. One of my biggest things is letting people down. Yeah. So when it comes to taking a day off, am I letting my team down? Have I forgotten to tell them something, you know, are they going to be like, Melissa, you didn't tell us this stuff, you know? And so hearing from Maggie, it's like, she basically gives my team gives me permission and they encourage it because They've been with me for over four years and they all know me very well. Just like I encourage it for them. Um, At this point, you believe in them. Yes. And and at this point, you've trained them enough to know what to do when you're not here. Yes. And so taking... Taking that day is actually an act of believing in your employees, right? They're great. And and allowing them kind of like that leadership and, and that ability to believe in themselves by you taking that day. That's, I really want to empower them. And I, and so, and I put my, when I put myself back in the position where I wasn't in leadership and the boss would be away, I kind of like owned, like I loved that because it just gave me the opportunity to one, be probably pretty busy. And I just like mm-hmm. being busy or having a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And it was really good learning opportunity for mm-hmm. me. So sorry, I went down that whole tangent, but I think Maggie got back from a vacation and she was, oh. I was like, do you feel refreshed? And she's like, no, <laughs> you know? And it's like that too. It's like, why do we get back from vacation sometimes and feel like, we don't, we didn't really get to, you know, unplug. You know, because. I needed to call Sam whenever I was, you know, what? in a tizzy Jackson hole no. <laughs> for the hurricane. I was like, I it's all of us. It's all of us. It's hard to relax. It's so much harder to relax now than it was to relax four years ago. It is so much harder. Our bodies are not made to tolerate this level of stress and distress that this global crisis is. And sometimes we forget that and sometimes we should on ourselves to still be that robot that we used to be and that's impossible. And so we're still giving ourselves that expectation of having to operate at the level prior to COVID that we want to operate when prior to COVID that level probably also wasn't too healthy either. And so, you know, when it comes to busy women taking a vacation, it takes a long time to come down mm-hmm. and almost withdraw from the hustle and the bustle of, of everyday life to be able to actually tune into relaxation. 
and we all know it, like, oh, I got three days left of vacation. Let me go ahead and start getting ready to, to adjust back to the real world. You know, it's not always conducive. Vacation doesn't feel like a vacation. So especially in COVID, when vacation sometimes is and isn't possible, it's almost like we have to put like many vacations into our everyday life or everyday practice or even just once a week, going to an exercise class, involving yourself in some kind of meditation, which is the hardest thing to do for a busy working brain, right? And small doses, (laughs) small doses of relaxation, kind of like trickled throughout what you can do, which feels like you can't stop working or can't stop parenting or whatever it is that's that's pouring from your cup. But I tell all the women, you can't pour from an empty cup. You got to take that pitcher back to the faucet and refill it somehow. And if it's not a day off, maybe it's some other kind of self-care that you can start to put in your routine because it's it's better to trickle it throughout your 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 weekly basis than it is six months from now. I know I've got a week-long vacation, right? It's good to have something to look forward to and you still need a vacation. Don't get me wrong, but small doses of self-care can really create another realm of that subconscious self-dialogue that says, I am worthy to allow myself a run around the LSU lakes. Mm -hmm. Or a physical or a checkup or a a We're talking doctor's appointments being self-care. Like we don't even, like we can't even put that in the self-care group, (laughs) right? These are doctor appointments. That you have to go to. That you have to go to. Um, I'm, what were you going to say, Maggie? I'm glad you said that, though, because, yeah, it's nice to have a vacation to look forward to, but that's not enough. Like, it's, it's not, not enough. sustainable. And you talk about all the stress associated with travel. It really is sort of hard. Like, it's hard to get to relax. Like, it's hard to plan a vacation. All those uncertainties that we're faced with. And, and you know, if you look... You wait all this time for your vacation and you pack your agenda because you want to do all the things you want to do. And it's like, is that really relaxing? We're just bringing work to vacation. It's a tough tough balance. I want to go back to what you said, two two points. And and you said this about vacation. And this is, you could not have described to me any better. It takes me a couple of days Mm -hmm. on vacation to be able to feel like, I'm going to say I can breathe, but I think everybody knows what I'm saying. And so I do actually think men are a little bit different in that regard. Um, Absolutely. I, I uh, not trying to pick on the men. Sometimes, you know, I envy that. But so my husband and I, we, a few tips that I have learned over the years is we always come back on a Friday from a vacation. Or if we come back on Thursday, I'm taking the Friday off. Like I am not getting in at 10 p.m. to come to work. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Actually, no, I'm not sorry, Sam. I'm Thank not you. going to do that. Thank you. Go me. Look at that. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast about how much women apologize and say I'm totally. sorry. Totally. But you caught it. Good for you. But but I realized, I was like, okay, Sunday to Friday, actually, it's not long enough because it is normally by Wednesday that I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm, I've come down and then I have to turn around and come home. So I brought this up to one of my male partners who... The, Again, my partners, they're like my brothers, right? So I'm telling them that. And I'm like, yeah, I really think I need to take some extra days off even after I get back mm-hmm. because I'm kind of in more of like a zen-like state. Not true zen, but close as close as Melissa Torito is going to be. And he was like, so when I went to go describe it to him, how by Wednesday I finally, and I went to go say I finally feel relaxed. He's like, oh, yeah, you're trying to get your mind right to come back to work. And I'm like, no, see, no, that's not what I do. That's not where my brain was going with that. My brain was like. I need to, you know, really take some time off. And traveling is stressful on your body. Think about, I mean, I feel like you're just perpetually dehydrated. I feel like when you travel and it can be stressful mentally. So I went to Jackson Hole this year and I'm going to say this and I don't really, the hurricane was terrible for a lot of people. We left the Saturday before the hurricane. We had just happened to plan that vacation. And let me tell you what, I was wound up like Mm -hmm. a top or whatever you know and I'm I'm like I mean I wake up the Monday the hurricane hits like that Sunday afternoon Sunday night I wake up that morning at like 5 30 in the morning and I am texting the entire team because I'm worried about them I'm worried about my family Patrick snoozing away you know his philosophy and he was not wrong to me 
there's nothing we can do about it here. Mm -hmm. As long as that we've talked to everyone, everyone's safe. There's nothing we can do, but it, there was a guilt. I was guilt. I felt guilty, like survivor's guilt or something like that, you know? So it was, it was, and then I wanted to like stomp my foot and be like, I want to do a vacation redo. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, there's such a significant difference between a biologically male brain and a biologically female brain. And part of this is also social, right? He probably knows you've got it covered. So he can relax, right? But then on the other hand, we are wired to obsess about our relationships. And I'm saying that as women. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know our brains work so differently is because you you care about people, right? And I'm not saying that men don't care about people. That's obviously not the case. But the way that we take on and absorb other people and their safety and wellness and feelings and all of that is a biological difference for a woman versus a man. And so in your experience of of caring during vacation, well, of course you did. You know, men in their brains, they have this superpower of self-preservation and almost like a detachment because that's a survival skill evolutionarily that they've developed in their brains. And so for women, we're more inclined to jump into the worry, drive ourselves crazy because of other people, because our brain biologically has to care about other people, even when we can't do anything about it. And sometimes, and especially for type A personalities, that's our biggest nightmare. When we can't yeah, do something, it's a feeling of helpless. And that feeling, helplessness, and inescapable helplessness has been such a common theme during COVID, during the hurricane. I'm writing my notes at the end of the day, and I'm like, is this real life, like, client discloses stressors related to pandemic mm-hmm. and hurricane and all of these other things? And and sometimes I'm just like, this is so much stress on our bodies. Like, how many years off of our life is this time going to take? Because historically, this is a really hard time. And I think when you come back to self-dialogue, you have to give yourself that grace and awareness of knowing that this is much bigger than us. This level of stress, this level of worry, it's much bigger than it's ever been. And it's probably a normal response to some really abnormal things that are happening in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought I'd live through this. So let's talk a little bit about stress. I um, was told one time that stress is by far the worst possible thing that that basically you can't get rid of your stress, or I'm, I'm gonna say that very generally, or stress management, or get stress under control. And it doesn't matter how healthy you eat, it doesn't matter how much you exercise. That that stress is one of the worst things for you, both mentally and physically. Would you agree with that? Correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> when you are in stress, your brain is releasing the stress hormone called cortisol. Yep. And when you're constantly stressed, that cortisol will be released at toxic levels. And so long-term damage is probable when we're constantly operating in that level of stress. And for many of us, and especially in America, that's where we thrive and that's where we live on a daily basis. And so when we're constantly in that cycle of releasing that level of cortisol, it's doing some damage to our body, brain, and spirit. And so it's work to relax But like you said, your therapist said previously, having boundaries Mm -hmm. can allow for that cortisol to come down a little bit further. Um, And and stress is a big problem. Stress is a big problem. Stress leads to heart disease. Stress leads to overeating. Stress leads to cholesterol problems. Stress leads to depression, anxiety. You could be like killing it in life and like total badass. You could be, you know, rocking it but then feel so fatigued or even more wired at the end of the day because we've kind of taught ourselves to live like a robot. And so to unlive like a robot does better on our body, brain, and spirit, but it requires us to let go. And it's a mindset to let go of what we've always done or what we've done until we unlearn how to do that. And for those of us who can't let go, and whose stress and depression and anxiety manifest in other ways, like not sleeping or not being able to concentrate, 
that's why we have things like medication. That's why we have Prozacs and Lexapros and Zoloft so that our brain and its feel-good chemicals can hang around a little bit longer for us to even be able to draw the boundaries that feel like boundaries we can't draw before. So this is a point in our history where psychotropic medication is more prescribed than it's ever been prescribed before. And there's a reason for that. And we have to acknowledge that, yes, everything that we're going through is personal, but it's more of this chronic and collective trauma that's ongoing in our lives since COVID started. So I know you specialize in perinatal, but uh, I really feel like you just, you're just amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Soaking up all of this. And I feel like Maggie is too. Well, do you, okay, so perinatal, but do you still talk, like, do you still help other people, like, just general, what do you, what would you say your percentage is of? Yeah, I would say at this point in my practice, I'm about 95% perinatal. Okay. Um, and, and I'll still see clients from time to time who, who's whatever, and you know, who, who aren't in that stage of life, but because there's such a need in our community and because I am a specialist, most of my time is spent working with women, um, in, in that area of life. Now I'm almost nearly booked for the rest of the year. And during the pandemic, I've also been training a couple of other therapists to do this work as well and learn and expose themselves to this level of care. And so in the future, I'm hoping to um, move into a bigger building and be kind of like a space with other therapists doing some more work. Um, that's been something that I've been working on for the last year or so. So um, I am not, you know, special by any means in terms of therapists go in, in our community. And there are certainly other wonderful providers out there too. So if anybody's listening or anybody is wanting a therapist, psychologytoday.com is a really good resource where you can type in your location. You can filter by insurance. You can filter by um, certain issues and um People who are in private practice will have a little profile. It's really important when you're searching for a therapist to be selective. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're if you're engaging with a therapist and you like what their profile says, call them, talk to them, ask them, you know, how they do things and what they can expect. And a lot of us, because we're so busy, we'll get back to you. It might take some time, but eventually, hopefully, most of us will get back to you and, and kind of talk over um, how the process works and, and what you can expect. And I just want to say this, I do feel like therapy, you know, so if, at least from my own personal experience, it can be scary at first, mm -hmm. vulnerable, you're Definitely. putting yourself out there, you're telling somebody things that you probably haven't told a lot of other people. So there's, and yeah. then you realize that you're not being judged <laughs> and you're yeah. like, okay. And then you form a, I think you form a special relationship it, with absolutely. your therapist. And I mean, like I said, I haven't, I haven't gone and seen, um, my therapist for, for other reasons, but I mean, everything she said to me has, has just stuck with me. And what's funny is a lot of stuff that you're saying is also the same stuff that my health coach keeps telling me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm a work in progress, but one of the things that you put, we all are, I am going to take, I don't know if you took this quote or if this is the same quote, Print it out. but is there any advice you would like to offer to our listeners and Sam put, Perfect isn't possible. So I'd like to take credit, but there are many of us, including <laughs> Brene Brown, who talks about how perfectionism is, it's non-existent. It's not possible. And what Brene says is that trying to be perfect is actually the denial of courage because vulnerability is true courage and bravery, and that factors into taking a step to seek therapy, that factors in taking a step to be kinder to yourself mm -hmm. on the inside, because if you are chasing perfectionism, you will never succeed. Perfectionism, it's unattainable. It's unattainable. It is impossible. We can be very good at certain things, but again, you're not a robot, you're a human, you have emotions, you have emotions for a reason. Things get messy. Being a human is messy. And so, you know, perfectionism or perfectionist in recovery is, is, is kind of like the end goal or being good enough is the end goal. It's a kinder way 
of kind of reframing our expectations of ourselves. Being good enough means, no, I can't get to that extra pile of laundry, or no, I can't fit this meeting in, and then everybody's going to be okay. The world's going to survive. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you put that, good too, enough. That, that recovery stage, too. Um, okay, so thank you very much. I could keep talking to you about, you know, God knows what. Um, I love what you specialize in. Thank I you. love that you saw that there was a need for that. Yes. And so one of the, you know, this podcast serves several purposes. Um, and I feel like for this particular episode, it's to bring awareness to mm-hmm. our listeners because I am going to just put this out here. I would highly doubt that anyone's going to listen to this podcast and not be able to relate to at least one thing that no was doubt. said. No doubt. And I will say that's, that's pretty awesome Sam, because, you know, sometimes we do really specialized topics that don't resonate yeah. with every, anyone. So this was perfect timing. Yeah, um, wonderful. I just... Well, mental health affects all of us. It does. Undeniably. Yes. And something that most people don't really talk about too often, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also am going to ask one last question. I might come off um, a little ignorant, but postpartum, we focus on women. Or perinatal, we focus on women. Do men have some sort of... Yes. Okay. So I didn't have to say it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, you didn't have to say it. So... Prior to COVID, the research was that one in five to seven women will experience a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Also prior to COVID, the research was one in 10 men will struggle with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. The biggest risk factor for a man developing a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder is, and a non-biological one at that, the relationship with the mother and whether or not the mother is suffering with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. But remember having a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder feels like who you are. And so that was done on research of people who had even shown up. It was very, very disturbing to find out that 75% of those women end up not getting treatment anyway. For a man, and these numbers have only tripled since COVID started, for a man to experience depression, anxiety, trauma, what have you, they are also vulnerable. Nobody is, um, nobody is immune. Yes. Yes, Thank you. You found the word. Nobody's immune to developing anxiety or depression or any form of something on the spectrum. And, and what I really try to, you know, facilitate in my practice is that a diagnosis merely is an explanation of symptoms. It's a label to throw on something. That's not me. That's the anxiety or that's not me. That's the trauma response that I'm learning about. And a way for insurance to cover your visit. So when it comes to your identity, and I think this is where a lot of men struggle, is if I have anxiety or if I have depression, that means I'm weak. And that's not the case whatsoever. That that couldn't be further from the case. So as women, we get wrapped up in the shoulds. But men, their shoulds are so ingrained in them. Yeah, and they have their own societal pressures too. they have their too. own societal pressures. So even courage right for them to take this step and and seek help and, and reach out and have their life story be held in that container you got to take that lid off your container from time to time we all do and release what we have to so that we can go home and be better versions of ourselves to our employees our families and society i'm just gonna listen to this episode on repeat forever. <laughs> uh anyway so sam because you are so booked and i'm so excited that we uh you were able to fit us in, especially for this month, because I do believe that this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, so it's kind of worked out for us. It worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to end just kind of on a little bit of a lighter note, all right? So we did uh, had the questionnaire, and one of the questions is, what is something interesting that most people don't know about you, and that is that you have a fake tooth? What did you do, knock it out? Yes, I didn't think you were going to bring up that for sure. But as you know, my husband, Nick, um, no, he's a dentist and and he tells me, and if he ever listens to this, he'd probably have a chuckle, but he said the night we met, he didn't tell me this the night we met. He told me this way later, but he told me later after we were already in love that he knew the night we met that there was something wrong with my number nine. Oh, wow. But was it because it was fake? dentist. Or he... (laughs) Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I would have never noticed Uh that. Okay, thanks. Uh Yeah, but he would, right? Yeah. Because that's 
you know, what dentists do. Yeah. I know. Well, he ended up helping me get it fixed. Okay. So, like... So, it came from a place of love. It came from a place of love. Yes, it did. He's like, I'm going to fix it for you. <laughs> I tell him I was his case study. Yeah. That's why he fell in love with me. Yeah. Well, I definitely could not. So I definitely could not tell. Okay. So, then we're just going to end on... Five quick questions. They're either or questions. Okay, sure. I like to ask our guests because I feel like it's a nice one. No All right. So, would you prefer vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate, <laughs> chocolate all the way. Okay, me Don't too. Most women. I mean, yeah. What about you, Maggie? I, I'm chocolate. I'm chocolate. Yeah, I am now. I feel like I used to be. No, I mean, give me all the dark chocolate. I went to Whole Foods yesterday because Patrick yes. was like, "I think I'm gonna start eating like chocolate as my treat tonight." And I was like, "I'll go to Whole Foods and get some yes. of the." The really expensive Hue bars. Treat yourself. Yeah, Look yeah, at that. I did. You're no, treating I was, yourself. I did. Um, would you prefer a book or TV? Book. Okay. Domestic or international travel? Ugh. Now, let's go, like, maybe pre-COVID. Maybe pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, w- I would love to go see the world. Yeah. yeah. International, for sure. Would you prefer a swimming pool or a lake? Swimming pool. Okay. And large crowd or small party? Small party. Small party. Okay. Well, Sam, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. It's going to be just, oh, that was fantastic. Lots to learn. Yeah. I'm excited about listening to this one. And, uh, you know, you do have a website. I think we ended up Googling and your website popped up. But as you did disclose to our listeners, you are pretty booked. Um, appreciate the recommendation. That was what psychology today. Psychology today, yeah. yes, and certainly people can still call, and I can call back when the, when I get a few minutes to give referrals and hear a little bit about what they're going through and try to put them in the hands of the right direction as well. Love that. And Love even that. though she's booked, you have to connect with her because she posts and puts a lot of articles and right helpful yes. images out there yes. for awareness yes, and just for sure keeping your mind on it so you don't. Yes, exactly. So many therapists have such wonderful Instagrams and talk about social media earlier and how um, depressing it can be. We can flood our feeds with hashtags, you know, mental health and follow certain therapists that are constantly posting. And I think a lot of us during the time of COVID have really benefited from that. So like your social media um, has this algorithm, right, of the things that you do look at, and then it gives you more of that. So the more mentally healthy things that you follow, um, the more your newsfeed, your newsfeed would be flooded by that anyway. Just helpful reminders. Yes, I think. And that you have the power to unfollow people. Yes, boundaries. Or, you know, certain pages yes. that are not aligning with your Correct. goals. Correct. <laughs> it's very yes. empowering, though, when you start very doing that. Very empowering. Too, you yes. know, because um, everybody can kind of get wrapped into that social media vortex, Absolutely. as I like to say, and start comparing. So, again, thank you so much, Sam. You're I really so appreciate welcome. it. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. So... Now that we have listened to our guests and we hope everybody enjoyed that, we're going to wrap up with some things that make us happy. Things that make us happy. Maggie, you got anything? I, you know, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but when the weather is nice. Yeah. This week, the weather's supposed to be, it's like going out into the 50s. I know, when I'm going out of town. Um, but I think it's going to be cool where I'm going. I'm going oh, out north. It is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to wear sweatshirts and comfy clothes. I'm just wearing wear your new Balkenlinkler sweatshirt. Yes. Yeah. I need one of those, Lainey. You have one. Mine's thick. It's, it's, hers she is, felt mine. Is hers she? is different. Anyway, so uh, I'm with you, Maggie, and I just think it's everybody's ready for this a little bit less humidity. And this is going to play after we play this, so I just want to highlight something that we talk about with her is those mini vacations. Mm-hmm. We gotta, you gotta find the little, little happy things. The little things end up being the big things. And, you know, it takes effort, but it's really important. So. Yes. Yeah, so, glorification of working hard or working a lot of hours. It's very glorified in our society, right? And I feel like it's a competition. Who can work harder, longer, faster, quicker? And that's, I think that just is, that plays into people's um, reluctance to take those vacations. So we have learned from our guest. 
we can put that into to practice. Um, I, I, I just love a lot of what she said. But I'm going to tell you something that really makes me happy. Beating my husband in fantasy football. <laughs> Mic drop. Not only did I beat him. That is fun. I creamed him. Patrick, I'm sorry. You <laughs> sucked. Okay. <laughs> oh. I mean, like, I'm not even going to say the points because it was it was bad. But um, I just have a good, I have a good fantasy team. I was really worried that Aaron's advice was going to, like, not be good for you. But I'm glad Josh Allen... You still I have two pretty really good quarterbacks. Good yeah. So anyway, that was that's what made me happy. So um, yeah. So let's look forward to some good weather, mini vacations, uh, cooking some fall recipes, yeah. and having a good week. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. Bye.